Welcome to the Greenhouse Podcast, hiring for what's next. In each episode, we'll meet people at the forefront of hiring. In this series, we'll talk about hiring maturity, which is how companies move through different stages as they get better at hiring. Greenhouse president and co-founder John Strauss sits down with talent leaders to discuss their hiring maturity journeys. We'll hear how they did it and what they're focusing on now to be ready to hire for what's next for their companies. They'll share advice to help your team get better at hiring. And now, let's pass it over to John. Hi there, and welcome to the podcast. This is John Strauss, president and co-founder of Greenhouse Software. And my guest today is Arthur Matyszewski, who leads recruiting at Better.com. Arthur, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks so much, John. appreciate being here. All right. Well, first, for folks who uh, who don't know Better.com, maybe give us a quick spiel. What do you all do over there? For sure. We're a home ownership platform that's helping more customers get the home of their dreams. We're a fully digital online mortgage. Uh, we help get you into your home faster, cheaper, and easier. Um, we do that by automating a lot of the clunky backend processes that generally plague the mortgage process while giving a clear front-end experience that customers can understand and look forward to what they're getting into. Cool. And I, I'm, I'm going to have more questions because I think one of the unique things is how fast you all are growing. So we're going to talk about that a bunch in today's call. Um, sure. But maybe just start with you. Like, what is your journey that got you to recruiting leadership? Of course. So um, playing it a uh, good ways back, I've always been fascinated by understanding what people and institutions value and how they come to the values that they do. Uh, way back, uh, I'd actually started an educational babysitting company. The idea being that there was a lot of overeducated, underemployed folks uh, in sort of 08, 09. And so we would get the Ivy League educated um, art history major to take your Upper East Side, Upper West Side children to the Met. Um, I wouldn't have uh, described it as uh, talent uh, acquisition, talent management at the time, um, but a lot of it was finding the right people, figuring out what they were about, and matching them to families um, that had similar aspirations, similar expectations. That um, evolved into uh, a couple of different ventures, and then ultimately uh, we wound up exiting uh, with another nanny agency. I read an article it was in uh, New York Magazine about this weird little hedge fund in Connecticut uh, by the name of Bridgewater and found my way into a rotational management program where we had the opportunity to move around a couple of different business units, um, ultimately wound up working in investment uh, talent development. And one of the biggest problems uh, we were facing at the time was being able to find folks uh, with expertise in things that we uh, did not already have internally. We were pretty good at the training and development, but we needed to be able to find um, uh, folks that would be additive to our understanding. And so a lot of the work was setting up this uh, internal um, knowledge network, uh, partnering uh, with some great thinkers in commodities and um, rates and things that we hadn't quite built our wheelhouse out in. Um, and eventually that turned into a focus on figuring out um, what made people successful within Bridgewater. 
which evolved into uh, work on predictive assessment, psychometrics, um, different uh, ways to evaluate potential talent. Um, and that led to uh, rolling out those different ways of understanding talent um, in different recruiting verticals. So campus, early career, uh, more programmatic hiring. And um, after that, I uh, peeled back to more entrepreneurial pastures, um, worked on uh, an early stage venture in Colorado, and uh, then found my way back to an innovation strategy firm in New York, which was focused on uh, helping uh, essentially big, boring companies uh, be more creative. And uh, not surprisingly, it turned into a lot of talent work. Uh, so helping stand-up incubators, stand-up accelerators, identify folks internal uh, to this big pharma company or this big financial services company to um, discover the folks that could help transform the business. And oftentimes that meant partnering with entrepreneurs outside and coming up with different uh, talent um, than uh, what they'd seen historically. Uh, and then fast forward, uh, wound up at Wayfair um, as a result of exploring a bit of how to bring a typical talent into call centers. I found a couple of investors and was looking to start a uh, call center training and recruitment firm. Um, and instead of doing that, wound up joining Wayfair. And in that capacity, it helped us scale from just under 5,000 to just north of 15 in two years or so. Um, and that was uh, sort of the beginning of uh, the formal TA part of my journey. <laughs> so uh, we've done a bunch of these interviews and podcasts. Uh, nobody's answer to that question has sounded like that. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> the typical journey is somebody works in agency recruiting and then becomes a recruiter at a, inside a company and then works their way up through management. Um, you had a 0% overlap with that journey. Uh, <laughs> Honored to be the outlier. That's that's good. I I, I mean... How do you think, because you came at recruiting from such a different perspective, uh, I've always, I mean, I've known you for a bit and struck, and I've always been struck that you think about these problems very differently than most folks. Do you notice that? I mean, do you realize like, oh yeah, I guess I do kind of think about these problems differently. Yeah, I think, um, you know, for me, the the energy and the joy of, um, you know, being in talent, uh, being in recruiting more broadly um, is trying to take more of the commercial lens to it. I think, um, you know, what attracted me to better initially is that human capital for us is fundamentally a top line function. I think in a lot of places historically, you know, despite the lip service that, you know, CEOs and thought leaders um, give to it, uh, talent is still looked at as something uh, that costs the business uh, rather than something that can grow the business when you hire, you know, a better engineer, when you hire um, a designer that will really transform who you are to the world. Um, and so I think I've gravitated towards um, organizations that are uniquely willing to put their talent strategy um, directly um, with their commercial strategy. Um, and I think my, you know, my background, I usually self-describe as more of an operator um, than, you know, a subject matter expert in any of this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, it's interesting. I mean, even there are companies that I'd look at and I'm like, well, wait, that is a talent business. They are fundamentally, their talent is their product. And still don't necessarily approach it as a first class concept where you say actually like how you how you recruit kind of is your whole business. Um, so it's, it's interesting to find the companies who do think of it that way. Well, well so I guess let's move on to better.com. So like I was just looking you guys up on LinkedIn, I think two years ago at this time. So October 2018, company is about 280 employees. A year ago, 850 and now over 3,500. Does that sound about right? 
Yeah, I think that's directionally right. Um, I, I believe I joined when we were uh, just around 400, um, and I believe we're uh, breaking 4,400 uh, as of oh last week. God. So, so most people I would imagine have not lived through hyper growth like that. We've had the fortune. I've been fortunate at Greenhouse to get to watch a, a couple of companies do that. Um, I mean, to start, what does that feel like to do that kind of hyper growth? Yeah, um, I mean, it's, it's definitely a lot of work, um, you know, to put it a little lightly, I think, um, you know, the, the credit goes to the team and to, you know, all of our partners across the business that have, you know, worked with us uh, to enable that. Um, I think hyper growth um, is a lot of things, um, but it's ultimately, you know, a lot of ambiguity. It's a lot of confusion um, and it takes time to uh, really focus in on, you know, priorities and expectations. Um, and throughout, um, you know, it was a pretty clear uh, mandate to scale. We've, um, as a business, uh, consistently taken this idea that, you know, human capital growth is revenue growth for us. Um, there's a pretty direct line correlation between uh, the quantity and quality of folks we bring in and the amount of customers we're able to help find homes. And so, um, you know, the initial um, focus of the hyper growth period was let's be clear about, um, you know, what does the business need and how do these volume management formulas work for us? Um, and the second piece was how do we align, you know, those that expected uh, demand for the business um, with the supply of recruiting capacity? And so we've looked at it uh, very much as any other growth strategy formula. And so building, uh, you know, the process, um, investing in uh, bringing on board the people to help us scale, um, and then continuing to refine that with a focus on candidate experience, on the quality of our assessment, and on our partnership uh, with the various stakeholders across the business. And, and so, I mean, what we typically talk about on this podcast is, is we think of it as hiring maturity, as companies are on this kind of journey to get from kind of chaos land up to like super strategic. Are, are they in in one of the battles every company has is how do I do the day to day running of the business of, of like making hires and scheduling interviews and getting offers out, but also like stepping back and building the foundational aspects of your process? Uh, how do you make the decision? Like which things do you focus on and say, this is what we're going to get really good at. And this other part over here, we're just going to have to accept it as chaos for a while because imagine you can't do everything. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah, there definitely um, is, you know, the old adage of you can have uh, anything you want, but you can't have everything you want. And so in our case, um, you know, I don't particularly subscribe to this idea of breaking out strategy from operations. You know, there's just doing things and doing things smarter. Um, and so I think day in and day out, um, we've tried to create a culture of if you see something that doesn't make sense, if the spreadsheet uh, isn't formatted correctly, if the column's in the wrong place, if uh, the way you're tracking your expected um, you know, hiring numbers um, feels more cumbersome and uh, too, too many clicks, then feel empowered to um, remove that and improve it in real time. I think the um, idea of you know the run and transform tension is real, um, and so for us it's been much more around this idea of what can we deliver today and what do we want to deliver tomorrow. Um, you know, from a data uh, journey perspective, we've always looked at it as let's get the reporting basics in place, then we can talk about expectations, and then we can actually get to insights. Um, as you know, the delta between uh, where you are and where you want to be. 
and then we've taken a similar approach to you know deploying new projects deploying new technologies across the board um, but it's come from a pretty clear understanding of you know what we can sign up for at any given time versus um, you know where do we really think uh, we need to excel and where do we need to you know deploy the extra edge across our talent how, how do you think about maturing the talent of your own team of the, of the recruiting team I mean typically the recruiting team at a 500 person company versus a 5,000 person company are really different, not just in size, but like different types of people doing different types of things. And yet you have to pull off that transition in a year instead of like over 10 years. Yeah, one of the one of the things I'm uh, proudest of uh, with our team here is that in uh, January of this past year, we were hiring uh, something like 100 um, and 60 folks with uh, just under a dozen recruiters. Um, and we only grew the team to about uh, 14 or 15 recruiters, uh, and we're doing uh, just shy of 300 by June or July. And so over a six-month period, we were able to increase uh, recruiter efficiency um, by north of 70%. Um, and largely, um, that's come from three things. Um, one, you know, our business is fundamentally predicated on this idea of growing productivity by automating um, the things that computers do well and focusing humans on the uniquely human things. We've taken that same approach across recruiting by rolling out automation to our scheduling, to our processing, um, even to the way we uh, manage our data um, so that it, we're not creating uh, more obstacles for our recruiters as we scale. Um, the second piece is we've really focused on enablement and this idea that um, whether we're bringing new recruiters up the curve or whether we have existing um, recruiters on the team that are looking to get better, giving folks uh, agency and autonomy in uh, determining, hey, this is what I really want to learn, whether it's this is how we communicate our equity, this is how we're um, gearing our uh, you know portfolio to be more supportive of uh, flexible work, of remote work, of different folks' lifestyles, to um, giving uh, folks practice on the basics of you know pitching the company, of closing candidates, of uh, explaining the nuances of this or that role. Um, I don't think you can um, create uh, any sort of exponential growth unless you're building the foundation and the structure um, to let people grow within it. Um, and the third piece ultimately is around uh, being really clear in terms of uh, the quality bar continuing to rise. Uh, we've been uh, fortunate uh, to see our levels of business growth uh, month over month, particularly since uh, March and the broader pandemic. Um, and as a result, um, you know, it's forced all of us to continue to perform um, at levels that, you know, even uh, a couple months ago, we none of us were expecting. Um, and so just being real that it's going to be difficult, it's going to be a journey, um, but through a focus on, you know, training, equipping people with the best tools, um, the best resources, we can get there. Wow. <laughs> I feel like I talked all day to companies who are doing a tenth of what you guys are doing and saying it's impossible. <laughs> like, holy cow. Tell me about um, the relationship between your recruitment team or the whole talent acquisition function and your hiring managers. I'm guessing you have hiring managers who also have it lived through this type of uh, hyper growth. How do you get them to realize, to figure out like what's their role? Are they bought in? Do they realize what they have to do, what they don't have to do? Like how, do, how does that work? Yeah, most definitely. Um, so early on, you know, when I come on board, I believe we had just under a half dozen recruiters and uh, there was no world where we were going to service all of the hiring managers across our sales and operations teams, across corporate, across product design and engineering. 
And so early on, we actually put together this idea of a self-service hiring program that we rolled out across the hiring managers we weren't able to support that defined pretty clear core Callum standards for what it takes to define a role, to set performance expectations for that role, to draft a 100-day plan for the new hire that would be coming into that role. And then we had some basic checks and balances across uh, hiring managers doing their own sourcing, managing their own phone screens, up to and including getting folks into on-site. And I think that experiment taught us a few things. Uh, Largely for the business, it helped establish that recruiting is more than just quarterbacking and coordinating interviews, because all the little nuances of uh, sharing a story, bringing folks along with it, actually evaluating people against their place in that story, I think is the art more than the science of recruiting. And it definitely created uh, very appreciative hiring managers on the other end when they no longer had to do that, um, in addition to their day job. And so we've actually built on that same concept of core talent standards and created more of the compact between you know recruiters as business partners rather than just as these you know functionaries or service folks, but giving recruiters something to reference back to so that when hiring managers come to us with new demand, with new ideas, we're able to push back and question both the business need and the business problem behind that need, as well as the solution to it. So do you need you know a team lead before you hire the analyst because you're capacity constrained? Do you need to hire someone that has done this job before, or can you move an internal employee into it? Because the thing that's more important is knowing how to navigate stakeholders across the organization. And unless I think uh, you're empowering the recruiting front lines to have those conversations, then you're setting up a dynamic where more often than not, uh, recruiters will lose because hiring managers can change their minds and get confused about what it is they thought they wanted. And that's often the root cause behind a lot of you know failed uh, search efforts and frankly, a lot of confused talent out there doing jobs that haven't been visualized or thought through well right. enough up front. I mean, back, back at the beginning of that answer, there's a great hack in there, which is have the hiring managers do the recruiting for themselves. They will support you. We show you here's all the way to do it. You go do it. And they realize, wow, this is really hard. And this is a whole discipline of itself. And it gives them a lot more respect for recruiters once you actually have dedicated recruiters to them. Without a doubt. I'm looking forward to expanding on that in just a moment. But first, let's take a quick break. Want to find out how effective your company is at hiring? Then you're ready to take the Greenhouse Hiring Maturity Assessment at greenhouse.io HMA. After you take the assessment, we'll send you specific ideas and strategies to help you move your company to the next level of hiring. Take the free five-minute assessment today at greenhouse.io HMA. When talking about interview scheduling, recruiters tend to cringe. We all have horror stories of meetings declined at the last minute, candidates scheduled for the wrong location, and hours upon hours wasted playing calendar Tetris. Interview Schedule is a platform that solves this problem once and for all, making your team 75% more efficient and helping you to deliver a consistently delightful candidate experience. Whether your team is stuck scheduling phone screens, complex on-sites, or multi-day hiring events, Interview Schedule has the tools for the job, providing a shockingly simple way to solve all of your scheduling woes. It'll put time back on your calendar that you can spend engaging with your best candidates. See how NerdWallet, OneMedical, and Gusto use Interview Schedule, integrated with Greenhouse, to empower their recruiting teams and impress their candidates and hiring managers. See how Interview Schedule can help your team achieve more. Go to interviewschedule.com today to sign up for a demo. Okay, let's jump back into the conversation. Uh, Let's see. I think I wanted to pick up around um, 
because you're talking about how you're getting hiring managers um, to participate and play their role. It sounds like you figured out the hack at the beginning to say like, okay, you do your hire, like you guys do the hiring yourself. They realize that's terrible. And now they have a lot of respect for you and you have more of a partnership. When a new manager or leader or even a new you know executive starts today, how do you get them to have that learning? How do you kind of, what's the culture where they get to learn? Here's how we do things here. Here's what's expected of you. For sure. Um, I think ultimately uh, people trump process. Um, I was reading the new Netflix book uh, over the last couple of weeks. And I think the thing uh, we often come back to here is that while org charts and hierarchies and decision rights um, are all, all the symptoms of scale, um, they're not uh, the only thing that matters when it comes to ensuring quality. Um, ultimately, the main thing we can do to ensure the quality of our hiring and the quality um, of our business more broadly is to look for people um, that intuitively um, will uh, exist sort of beyond the org chart and do uh, the, you know, whatever responsibilities uh, the business requires. Um, so the way we've uh, approached it is that early on in folks onboarding, particularly if they're um, look, being brought on to build out new functions, expand their teams, et cetera, um, we'll sit down and we'll run them through the same sort of core talent st standards training, um, in addition to actually partnering with them uh, across their open roles and letting them shadow and ski uh, with folks um, that have demonstrated themselves as bar raisers and as capable of doing this. Um, ultimately, you know, the reality of uh, hiring is that uh, the one constant is that uh, as a company, we're all supposed to be managed off, uh, you know, common goals, common OKRs, uh, common strategies. Um, but the vagaries of any individual hiring managers um, designs, uh, the peculiarities of any org um, are uh, less significant than uh, really having a clear understanding of what the business is going towards. And so we've uh, continued to prioritize our headcount uh, across the company, uh, depending on those strategic priorities. Um, and that's given hiring managers and new executives and leaders coming in um, a more seamless transition to this idea of, uh, hey, um, I understand that this is the most important thing to me, but it may not be the most important thing um, across a 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 person company now. Um, and I think oftentimes that's where you see um, a lot of the um, communication and prioritization breakdown is this idea that, you know, my role is more important than, you know, blank's role in accounting or blank's role in, uh, you know, platform engineering. And it's been uh, pretty critical for us to make sure that we're not letting the, you know, localized priorities take over um, versus tying everything back towards, you know, uh, hey, we're a company at this growth rate. This is where we want to be in three, yeah. six, nine months. So I guess thinking out ahead then, um, you know, you guys have obviously come way up the maturity curve and are doing some super thoughtful things to manage all of this growth. When you think ahead a year or two years, not even thinking about like what numbers you're getting to, but from a function perspective, like where do you guys think you'll be? Where do you look and say, ah, this is where we can still get a lot better? For sure. Um, over the last couple months, we've uh, really leaned into candidate experience. Um, I think uh, of candidate experience as you know the um, uh, energy that comes off you know the hiring flywheel. If you hire better candidates, if you assess them better, um, you'll then be able to hire better candidates and continue raising the bar. 
um, but unless folks are walking away from your processes impressed um, with the company, with the team, and with um, what you're able to do, um, then uh, it can potentially spiral the other way. We've uh, started measuring candidate experience um, after each interaction and uh, have started rolling out um, more, call it targeted interventions uh, to solve specific issues. One example is um, we're actually piloting uh, with a coaching uh, partner of ours an offering where folks have gone through um, some interview stages with us um, you know, in person as you can be on Zoom, uh, then we'll uh, actually provide uh, not only a summary of the feedback, um, but uh, coaching consultation um, to help folks evaluate you know, what uh, it means for their career to receive this feedback, what sorts of roles they should be looking at, how they should be processing their career journey. Um, and in a couple of cases, we've been able to turn you know, some pretty strong detractors uh, into promoters of the brand and of our business. Um, and the, you know, the consistent theme for us is uh, the more we can um, offer folks in terms of clarity around you know, what we're looking for, the closer we'll come to attracting the folks that we are uh, prioritizing finding. Interesting. Do you think, um, do you think your, like your careers page or your job descriptions, how do you think those will evolve along that theme? Because I've always, I've always looked at that and said, God, I think the more you provide to the candidate, the better it is for them and the better it is for you. And yet so many companies just keep rolling out those same like job descriptions they copy and pasted from their competitor. Um, do you have a vision of where you're going with that? <laughs> yeah, we've definitely uh, tried to um, evolve our job descriptions. I know we're um, launching a number of pilots with different providers to give more content, to give more collateral to folks to better understand um, not only uh, what this specific role entails, but what's the team like, uh, what's the function like, how does this fit in? Um, you know, one thing we've been pretty explicit about um, for a while now is sharing out um, uh, a draft version of our company uh, financials and our operating strategy. Um, and we've seen it as an initial um, invitation for folks to really understand, uh, you know, who we are as a company, who we are as a business, um, but also showing the respect um, for the candidates and being able to um, ask tough questions up front. Um, and so I think we want to continue to lean into that, um, whether it's through our job descriptions, whether it's through uh, the materials our recruiters share um, throughout the process. We wanted to uh, spending a lot of our time on job descriptions, trying to optimize titles and figuring out what can get the most um, clicks, uh, what converts the highest. Um, and so I think there's definitely um, this challenge of looking at a role visualization or role definition as a job description. Um, in our view, a job description is a marketing document. Uh, it's not a statement of purpose and a statement of expectations and what you're going to be held to. And so we try and separate that out as much as possible. Because um, when hiring managers start thinking of the role purely as a marketing exercise, um, oftentimes uh, you wind up missing the nuance of what will actually make a person successful. Right. No, I've always said that and tried to even design Greenhouse that way. So there are two really different concepts in there, right? There's like what this role is actually about and how you're going to evaluate people and how they're going to be successful and what they're going to do. And separately, there's an advertisement you put out that's not, that's meant to attract the best people that would be appropriate for it. And those are not always the same thing. Um, shoot, time is going quickly here. I think we're supposed to now pivot to our lightning round where I'm going to ask you a couple of um, actually not that quick questions um, and, and have you do your best. Okay, so favorite HR tech tool other than Greenhouse, of course. 
Of course. Um, yeah, I think uh, it's hard to, you know, pick any given tool. I think our constant refrain is that, um, you know, we're we're tool agnostic, but um, goal uh, goal focused. And so we'll, uh, much to the chagrin of some of our uh, partners, um, rotate through a handful uh, looking for uh, what works best for us. Um, you know, recently we've been uh, in a pretty exciting pilot with BrightHire. Um, which is helping us understand um, uh, effectiveness of recruiters, but also uh, help recruiters uh, save time by both transcribing interviews and um, being able to uh, go back and you know reference their notes uh, down the line while importing into Greenhouse. Um, I think it has a lot of promise um, as we continue to try to create uh, an environment where uh, we can be transparent and continue to learn from each other, um, creating the architecture that uh, lets us share more rather than less. Um, it's pretty yeah. critical Yeah, I think the, the whole the whole sales world, like Gong, has become such a huge thing. Gong, chorus, yeah, where it's like that's yeah. And it creates such a culture of like continuous learning. It's like, no, we're going to retrospect on what happened and how can we get better? And it's like, Shouldn't we be doing the same things in recruiting? Um, which I think why we're all so excited about companies like BrightHire. Uh, how about biggest mistake you'll never make again? Yeah, uh, it's a good one. Um, I think uh, early on uh, at uh, Wayfair, my experience was we were uh, trying to scale so quickly. We were um, adding all these folks. And uh, in most cases, we threw a lot of people at the problem. Um, rather than really investing in uh, process, uh, technology, and sort of clarity up front. Um, I think we course corrected, um, but I think the challenge of uh, any hypergrowth situation is that the natural response is uh, give me more rather than uh, what more can I do with what I have. Um, and so here um, at Better, we've you know had the fortune to be able to really try to constrain ourselves and design within those constraints. Uh, ultimately, it's uh, what has enabled us uh, when we have made the call to you know grow the team or grow headcount um, to be really intentional about it and bring folks into roles um, that are designed with a clear demand and a clear scope of work. Um, but uh, I think the natural impulse in recruiting uh, is that it's always urgent and always important. And so taking the time uh, to put it more in the important, not urgent category requires investing um, in uh, things that might seem counterintuitive upfront, such as uh, recruitment marketing, employment brand, uh, productivity enhancing tools, rather than uh, just uh, more volume at the top. That is a incredibly mature statement. I wish more folks figured that out, but I think that's a great one. How about a uh, biggest mistake you'll definitely make again? Yeah, um, I think we've been fortunate uh, as a as a company broadly to have a talent strategy that values uh, values and abilities more so than skills. Um, I've seen that uh, within our recruiting team. We've taken um, you know a tack of hiring folks from atypical paths, whether um, you know the therapist or the former uh, sales ops person uh, or the person coming out of um, you know consulting and putting them into. Uh, recruiting and recruiting management roles. Um, and for us, um, you know, we've never particularly had like a high affection for uh, subject matter expertise. Um, but what it's actually um, helped us do is to be a bit more nimble with um, experimenting, with trying new things, um, with not having a lot of, hey, this is the way we did it at X agency or X large companies recruiting team. 
Um, I think you have to hire folks that have uh, both that ability to be down to clown, but also the um, you know wherewithal to put structure uh, to ambiguity. Um, and oftentimes, uh, you know, folks are coming with very strongly held uh, mental models of this is the way things should look, um, rather than being able to opine on the way things uh, could be. Um, uh, it can kind of be a problematic challenge. It's a great lesson. We, we talk about it a lot is that is that as you grow, there's such a um, tendency to go towards specialization and like, well, geez, haven't people done this before? Let's get somebody who's done this three times before. And you lose a lot, actually, when you do that. I think that's a great point is that, you know, um, how about a piece of advice for somebody who's taking over as head of recruiting? I talked to so many companies. There's so many people who, you know, their recruiting function has fallen apart. Things are going badly. The head person gets fired. Somebody comes in and kind of takes over. Where, where do you say, oh, here's where you start? For sure. Um, I think cultural strategy comes from business strategy. Um, and so I think a lot of, uh, you know, first time heads of recruiting or folks coming into the profession immediately jump into what recs can I fill and what, um, you know, what roles do you have open, um, rather than really asking uh, more fundamental questions around what roles are most important to the business's growth at this point in time and how will that evolve once we've already built a mature sales function, once we've already scaled up our engineering team, once we start um, you know, making new inroads in markets and brands and new products. Um, and so really spending more time focused on uh, what is unique about this business rather than looking for you know, the hacks or the uh, one size fits all playbook. Um, I don't think you can build, um, you know, the platonic idea of a recruiting model. Every company is going to be different and put different weights on, you know, speed versus quality versus cost. Um, and understanding uh, what the business is trying to do with talent is more important than figuring out, uh, you know, what uh, are we behind on in terms of talent specifically. Wow, that's that's great. I think that that fits into uh, an overall theme you've heard is that the the trap is to say like, what are the five most urgent hires and like jump in and try to get them made as quickly as possible. And it's like, you really got to step back and figure out where are we trying to go here? And what's, what's going to get there over, over a year, not what's going to give me a win the first two weeks. Um, how about uh, to finish off it's a recruiting podcast. We always finish with this question. What's the hire you've made that you're most proud of? Of course. Um, so uh, I think it was early on uh, in my time at Better. Um, we were still at this temporary office that uh, was definitely over capacity and um, felt, uh, you know, startup fabulous in all uh, all the ways uh, you could picture. Um, so we, as a result of uh, not having enough office uh, meetings, um, uh, meeting rooms, we wound up uh, taking a lot of uh, coffee chats. Um, and as uh, I was walking one day, uh, saw someone with a table. Uh, posted up outside of Goldman Sachs. Uh, happy to report he's now uh, moved from an internal uh, sales role to a sales operations role. Um, and uh, very grateful uh, to have made uh, you know the coffee stop and heard his story as someone that came from uh, a you know, different country that was trying to make it that had you know immigration requirements, had a funny degree, um, uh, and handily uh, too many challenges finding a job. 
uh, it was great to be able to both extend a hand, but also uh, learn what he wanted, which was to find a role that combined his passion for thinking about markets more broadly with uh, an analytical exercise and what's actually driving revenue for the business. Um, and so I think the point of, um, you know, a lot of uh, our work uh, tends to get lost. Um, I see it much more as bringing opportunity to talent rather than bringing talent to opportunity. And I think when, particularly when we're talking about diversity and inclusion efforts, um, that's the most common mistake um, is this idea that, you know, just because I'm posting the roles and going out there, um, that's enough, rather than how do we tailor what we're expecting from folks and how we bring folks in uh, to the folks themselves. That's great. Ah, that's, a, that's a perfect place, perfect place to end. I think uh, it's, it's very inspirational, that idea that like, it's not about who we bring in, it's what we bring for them. Um, and the opportunity you bring for them is, can be so powerful. Well, thank you. This is a really cool, uh, cool podcast. It's very different than the, than the normal one. I really appreciate your unique perspective. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, John. appreciate you having me. Thanks for listening to Hiring Maturity Success Stories on the Greenhouse Podcast, Hiring for What's Next. Wondering how to start optimizing your own company's hiring? Take the Greenhouse Hiring Maturity Assessment now at greenhouse.io HMA. Don't miss a moment of hiring for what's next. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts for the latest episodes.